You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Buckminster Fuller said this, and my guest today, James Maskell, is really an exemplifier of this, of how he is transforming our current healthcare system into one that actually serves people in getting better. Plus, he's going to share with you why a functional medicine root cause resolution approach actually is so expensive and why it's not the standard of care. Stay tuned. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock-solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription Podcast with Dr. Kieran. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you're choosing to spend this time with me today. I think it's going to be very valuable for you. And I don't even think you're going to realize the gifts that you're going to get by listening until the end. Dr. Uh, Excuse me, James is going to share with you some of the burning questions that we get all the time on social media. Why is functional medicine so expensive? Why is this not the standard of care? Why doesn't my regular doctor do this for a $30 copay? These are burning questions that I know you want the answers to. And James has been in this field for a long time, so he can help you understand that. He can also help you understand why group care is the new standard gold standard of care when it comes to your health. If you're stuck thinking that, oh no, I want to see my doctor one-on-one, James has some information to share with you that just might change your views. I'll tell you a little bit about him and then we'll get started. On a mission to flatten the curve of healthcare costs, James Maskell has spent the past decade innovating at the cross-section of functional medicine and community. To that end, he created the Functional Forum, the world's largest integrative medicine conference with record-setting participation online and growing physician communities around the world. He is an in-demand speaker being featured on TedMed, HuffPost Live, and TEDx, as well as lecturing for physician audiences around the world. His new company, Heal Community creates access to health for everyone by delivering virtual episodes of group care in partnership with doctors, clinics, and health systems. Please help me welcome James Maskell. So welcome, James. Great to be here with you, doctor. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you. As I shared in the intro, James spoke at a conference I recently was at, the Mindshare Collaborative that some of you know about. And he's used to speaking to healthcare practitioners and professionals about better models of healthcare. But I think this is such an important topic because he really focuses on, his last book is The Community Cure and Group delivered medicine. And some of the statistics and information that he shared with us at the summit were so impactful. I shared it with my group of women going through my program and they loved it. So I'm super excited to have you on. I want to start just with your story. How did you become so passionate about 
functional medicine, scaling functional medicine, community and group medicine. What, how did this happen? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, a journey. It all starts with me being the weird kid at school that did natural medicine. And I can remember, like, I was the only kid in my school whose parents had to be called before I was to be given antibiotics. And I just remember, you know, that not really realizing that that was weird until, you know, I sort of went to, you know, went into older school and realized no one knew what a chiropractor was, no one knew what a homeopath was. And that was just like the medicine that I got growing up. Mm -hmm. And then I had a rebellious phase where I thought my parents were insane. And I was a teenager. And I, I ended up taking a my degree was in health economics or economics. And then I focused on health, my, you know, my degree. And I just saw like, in my lifetime, we were going to walk off a huge cliff. And that was the cost of managing healthcare was going up exponentially, both in the UK where I grew up and, and the US where I've lived for the last 16 years. And I just, I had a moment of clarity one year into my first job that something around the way that I grew up that had started off being really weird, but now was, you know, suddenly becoming a little bit more interesting, that something in there was part of this solution. And I really wanted to go and like find out what that was. And I also knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. At that point, I was a year into being an investment banker. And I just realized like, that was not an aspirational career path. So 16 years ago, I moved to America, I was very fortunate to have the American passport. And I dived in to the front lines of health creation. I worked in a clinic in Georgia and rural Georgia, mind you, in 2005 is a, in a very different place. And I worked at a clinic that was really designed around, you know, that health for women, I guess. It was, there was a, a naturopathic doctor who was the clinical leader and they had all kinds of other therapies. And in that first year and a half working at that clinic, I saw chronic disease being reversed, right? Not in one session and not with one drug, but with a holistic approach being used over, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months, I saw people's health transform. And I realized that I was like bearing witness to something that very, very few people knew about. And I realized the elegance of the solution where people at the end of it were inspired, empowered, visibly transformed, were all pieces of the sort of greater solution to what ails us. And so this passion didn't really come all in one go. It, it evolved slowly. The first building block was realizing that, you know, there was a new way of doing medicine that had way better outcomes. And ultimately the journey from there was to really understand like, okay, was this just happening in isolation? Was this just one clinic across the whole country? Or were there other sort of different ways of, of doing the same thing? And that led to like, you know, the beginning of a 16 year journey that I'm still on, frankly. Yes. And I, I love how, you know, really your parents planted the seeds. That's the story for me, too. I grew up in New York City to a mom. We used to call her, her name's Jerry. We called her Granola Jerry <laughs> because, you know, our friends would be getting antibiotics. And when we got sick, she'd make us sweat it out and give us golden seal and echinacea. And we thought she was crazy. And then I, I had my rebellious phase. I went off to medical school. I came back. I told her, mother, we heal with steel. And, you know, thought I knew better till 
I hit, you know, perimenopause and my my health tanked. And so I came full circle. So I love how, you know, sometimes the gifts our parents give us, we don't see as gifts. <laughs> yeah, sure. But they end up being them. So, and I love that you had that opportunity to work at that clinic and really see the miracle that is possible with this type of medicine. And I remember starting to go years ago, gosh, how long has the functional forum been in existence? Yeah, so we start, that was 2014. So, you know, between 2007 and 2014, I went on a journey to understand this like professionally delivered natural medicine, right? Just to understand all aspects of it. So actually I took a job selling to doctors like you, right? So I was in this, I worked for a supplement company. These supplements were only sold through doctors. And ultimately through that journey, you know, the first four years, I learned an incredible amount. You know, I'm sure many of your listeners have been to an acupuncturist or a chiropractor or a naturopathic doctor or an Ayurvedic doctor or a health coach or a dietitian or a, you know, all functional medicine MD. And what I learned in those years were who are all these people? What language do they speak? How do they treat patients? What is the underlying thesis for that treatment? Where are the similarities? Where are the differences? And ultimately, you know, that was just, you know, sort of the deepest, broadest learning experience. And I would actually recommend, you know, I often get asked like, oh, someone's really, they want to have a new career. They want to get involved in this space. They don't want to be a doctor. They don't want to go back to school, but they really want to like make an impact on health. I think that's actually the best way to get that education because you're almost forced into it because you're meeting all these practitioners all the time. You're learning from them. My sales mentor was really like a service focused sales rep. And so I just asked a lot of questions to these providers. And I guess for the first four years, it was just like a deep learning experience. And then in 2013, having, you know, had a few of my own little ventures there, helping doctors like market their practice, we started the Functional Forum really because I realized that you know, in New York and and actually everywhere, there were so many of these providers that were doing really interesting stuff, but they didn't know each other. And, you know, oftentimes I would know them because I was selling to both of them, but they didn't know each other. And when I started putting them in rooms together, magic started to happen. You know, people would start to form clinics together or referral relationships or, you know, learn from each other. And that was the sort of genesis of the Functional Forum, which mean, which was like, hey, let's try and get a meetup going for doctors who were in New York who were interested in functional medicine. And that was, you know, that was sort of how everything started. I guess one thing I want to say is the reason why I chose functional medicine and the name is the Functional Forum is because my take on it, which is no one else's take, but my take on it is that functional medicine provides a unifying language and system for all of those providers that I mentioned before to work together. And ultimately, we need them to work together. Nothing more frustrating for a patient than having an an acupuncturist and a chiropractor who are essentially trying to create the same kind of healing, but don't speak the same language and don't talk to each other. And ultimately, what I saw through functional medicine was a sort of a, a system that could be 
you know, that could bring those two kind of providers together into a team where they would have a common language by which to understand, you know, what was going on with the patient and how each of them could be, you know, helpful in that kind of particular case. And so I learned that from going to conferences and sitting in the back and really starting to, you know, think through if we were going to scale this, you know, what do we need? And the first thing that we need is a common language. And that's what led me to functional medicine. Yeah, I love the name of the functional forum too because it kind of speaks to how we could say about, my mom used to have this tote bag that said, let's put the fun back in dysfunctional in terms of dysfunctional families, right? That was like a joke. But I think that mainstream medicine is dysfunctional. And so I love that your title is functional forum. Like this is a functional system of healthcare that actually works. <laughs> it's well, not you know, Some people would say that we put the fun in functional medicine and other other people would say we put the funk in functional medicine, but I'm like <laughs> either of those. <laughs> right, either one. And then, you know, your book, The Evolution of Medicine, I know that I believe it was intended for healthcare practitioners, but I think it's a great read for anybody who is recognizing that modern healthcare system is failing them. Can you talk a little bit about what that is in that book? Yeah, so we started the Functional Forum in 2014, and then over the next couple years, that really spread and meetup started. We had 400 all across the world. And, you know, ultimately what I what I came to realize is that technology had moved in such a direction, it was now possible for a, you know, for a long time, doctors felt the calling, particularly female doctors, to practice medicine in a new way. Because once you've witnessed what's possible through functional medicine, it's very difficult to go back to just prescribing drugs because you realize that it's a short-term fix, it's not a long-term solution. But ultimately what I started to realize, there's so much friction in the system that keeps doctors like in their job. There's all kinds of friction there. And what I recognized is that, you know, one, it was becoming clear that functional medicine was better than conventional medicine for chronic illness. And then the second thing was, there was now an opportunity for doctors to make the switch to functional medicine in a way that was like way lower capital intensive, right? You didn't have to have $200,000 to build your own practice and get a space and hire a whole team. You could actually start running a functional medicine practice like off a laptop, doing mainly telemedicine, you know, having an electronic health record, you know, and sort of building a practice for maybe $20,000, like as far as a capital outlay to, to build a practice. And I thought that that was a tremendous moment because maybe some of the friction in helping doctors sort of actually do this every day was there. So I wrote The Evolution of Medicine as a book that I could give to any doctor and say, read this. And mm -hmm. if they read it, they would have the sort of first steps for them if they resonated with it to then start to build their own functional practice. And I think we just hit it at the right time. There are a lot of doctors that were ready to go. And, you know, over the next few years through that and our practice accelerator program, we've helped thousands of doctors make the switch to their own functional medicine micro practice. And that was sort of like a really exciting phenomenon. And I'm really proud of, it's really amazing to meet doctors who have made that transition off the back of the book because their lives are forever changed and their patients' lives are forever changed.
Right. And for everybody listening, I think it's important for you to know this information. You know, James and I were talking before we started recording and he was saying, well, I usually speak to practitioners. It's not my usual audience. And I said, it's okay. My people are really intelligent and they're professionals, a lot of attorneys and doctors, healthcare professionals. And I know that you guys really think at these high levels and you you want to know this information. And this is why I think it's important. And James, you also have as part of your mission, not only the evolution of healthcare in terms of what is available that can actually heal people, but you have a mission to increase community. Your latest book is The Community Cure. That's what you were speaking on at Mindshare that I loved so much. And I'm wondering if you can share some information about why healthcare in groups is superior to one-on-one care, which is really the antithesis of what most people believe. Well, look, this is not a different mission. This is the same mission. It's just the natural extension of the mission. So in 2018, I'm feeling good about what we've done, right? We've, you know, two years later, lots of doctors have read the book. Many doctors have made the transition to practicing functional medicine. You've got functional medicine clinics popping up in, you know, in cities across the country. And so that's really exciting. But ultimately, I realized that was like necessary, but not sufficient to solve the actual problem, which is like, can we keep everyone healthy? And, you know, I think for many of people who have maybe been to a functional medicine doctor, you think, wow, this makes a lot of sense. But there's two things that you may have thought after you finish your appointment. Like one, there's no way that this can scale to solve everyone's problem because, you know, poor people can't come in and get this care because you have to pay a lot and whatever. And also it's really slow. You're sitting there for hours with this doctor. You know, it's really inefficient. And then once you get the protocol, is it really reasonable that you can, you know, completely change your lifestyle without any support or help, especially if your social circles, you know, aren't having the same experience. Like what I start to realize is that, you know, a patient who has lupus or who has like ridiculous chronic pain or who has an autoimmune condition or even type two diabetes, they probably don't know a lot of other people that have that condition. And so they're living on this like weird island and it can be really tough for them to make the changes consistently because their social structures bring them back into presence with the environment that caused the issue in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been an advocate for, you know, group medicine, but ultimately there was this big moment that happened in 2019 is I saw that. So the Cleveland Clinic is the biggest organization that had taken on functional medicine. You know, Mark Hyman even had to move to Cleveland to make it happen. It was a big deal. You know, straight away, the demand for this. So once you have functional medicine being delivered inside a health system, the demand was just off the charts and 10 times the supply. So they had started, you know, running these groups that were run by, you know, dietitians, PAs and health coaches, no doctors involved at all. In January 2019, I heard Dr. Hyman speak and share like the early data showing that the outcomes were substantially better than one-on-one functional medicine. And we'd already seen that one-on-one functional medicine was better than conventional one-on-one care. And not only was it better outcomes, but delivered at way lower cost. And I had sort of intuited that like, you know, that 
we needed to have a different delivery system if we were going to make functional medicine affordable to everyone on Medicare and Medicaid and commercial insurance, because the biggest frustration of all time is that like, hey, why doesn't my doctor do this? And then why why doesn't my insurance pay for it? Right. And you probably heard that a million times. A million times. A million people who are listening to this probably have had that same experience. Like they, they don't know why this isn't the standard of care once they've experienced it and they don't know why insurance doesn't pay for it. So ultimately, you know, I started to realize at that moment that group delivered functional medicine was actually very exciting. And I started to just, I wanted to learn everything I could about it. And that's what led to this book, The Community Cure, where I sort of documented all the ways in which the functional medicine operating system or integrative medicine or naturopathic medicine when multiplied by a group delivery system was working and how it was working and it was an incredible learning experience and what i what i saw through that book is, and what i learned through that book is that in actually in in almost every sort of silo of medicine where this has been tried, the results are ridiculously good. You know, just something that's relevant for your population. So centering pregnancy is the number one group visit in America. And it's not really functional medicine. They certainly have some like health creating activities, but ultimately what it's doing is putting women who are pregnant into cohort groups and having them, you know, meet other women during their pregnancy, because really for the first time in history, you know, you could have a baby outside of community, right? For all of our evolutionary history, that was not only like a really bad idea because you could get picked off by a predator, mm -hmm. but also, you know, we just knew that like it takes a village, right? And the village is there to support the mother when they need the most help. And that's just like our evolutionary history. And just in the last, you know, 50 years, we all start living in modular homes. We don't have community technology breaks down community. We're starting to see women, you know, having babies in isolation. And what does that lead to? It leads to, you know, ridiculous levels of postpartum depression. It leads to ridiculous levels of preterm birth. And what they were able to see through centering pregnancy just by delivering this community, 35% reduction in, in preterm birth, a flattening of the differential between white births and black births. And it was just like a very, very powerful intervention that was really just caused by community. And then if you look in, in cardiology or in type 2 diabetes care, or autoimmune disease, you know, all across the spectrum, when people had delivered functional medicine in a group environment, the results were spectacular, the costs were way lower. And I was like, this is it. This is the model. This is, there's this new layer of care that we could deliver that sits between patients and the medical system that used to be delivered by community, but community's been destroyed by technology. And ultimately we need to bring that layer back. So my idea was, I'll write this book, I'll make it free for everyone, and I'll just get every medical system to you know, follow the lead of the Cleveland Clinic. Well, then I bring out this book in January, 2020. And suddenly, when COVID happens, all groups are destroyed, not the fledgling functional medicine groups, which are just happening in clinics across, you know, starting in clinics across the country. But think about Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, addiction groups, all of where group medicine has really flourished just taken out. And the results have been catastrophic, actually. If you look at the addiction space, 30% increase in overdoses. You know, when you destroy that community for the most vulnerable people, the health outcomes are, 
you know, are terrible. So almost straight away, and I, actually even before we had started thinking about what could we do to really scale this out and make this available to everyone, that was the sort of beginning of my journey to work out how do we create a super scalable delivery system for group delivered functional medicine and that we can you know with if we were to do that and this is what i've come to learn over the last 2 years is that if we have that we can actually deliver this not just in partnership with functional medicine doctors who already get it but most excitingly we can partner with regular doctors mm-hmm. and regular doctors can recommend these virtual groups and we can deliver these virtual groups and people we're not relying on doctors like taking way more training which is a huge you know friction point for the transformation of medicine and right now where i'm standing today i think that it's reasonably possible that in the next 5 years everyone in medicine will realize that these virtual functional medicine groups are create so much health and take so much cost out of the system that every single human should be in one of these groups and we're only just getting started now but already investors that are showing up partners that are showing up tell me that we're onto something really special mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's funny because I tend to be very intuitive in the healing and the work that I do with clients and something told me there was a lot of resistance to patients actually undertaking the lifestyle changes that they needed to undertake exactly for why you said because they didn't have the social support. And so I started seeing people in groups back in 2000, I think it was 10. Awesome. And just intuitively started doing that and then i saw that other people were doing it and now it really is the only way that i deliver care because i know that hands down their outcomes will be superior so i think you're well, can i just right. say i think i think yeah. female intuition might save the day or will <laughs> save the day or is the only force powerful enough to save the day cuz look you know 75% of functional medicine patients are women and 75% of doctors are women and so like that intuition that you shared like that's not really available to men <laughs> and you know ultimately i think that you know you getting ahead of the curve and understanding that you know my work is really built on the shoulders of leaders who have been doing this already you know dr shilpa saxena who i learned from from the book intuited very similarly to you and you know and and started to build functional medicine groups and prove that they could really work so i'm grateful to hear you say that because i feel like just sort of intuitively i think many women realize that what's been lacking is the right community support to implement mm-hmm. these health changes that they know mentally need to happen but it's not a mental game it's an action game and so mm-hmm. in order to take it from idea to action you need that supportive community So let me ask you though because I think we are so used to in our society receiving care one on one and it's actually a denoter I don't even know if that's a word of status right oh no I see my doctor one on one that's the best care and I deserve the best care and so when I try to educate women no that's not the best care how do you educate them that they actually see the benefit of a lot of women are very hesitant oh no I don't want to group and i say trust me and hands down at the end of my programs that is the number one benefit that they loved about the programs was the community so how do you educate the general public on that that's a really good question so what we found is exactly that right so the clinics you know functional medicine clinics who have built cash 
and people essentially are paid for a doctor's time, those people don't think they want a group. And when they actually get into a group, they they love it, but there's definitely a friction point there. So I completely agree. The good news is there are millions and millions of people who have had never had access to this kind of care and thinking before who are ready to go. So when we see with you know clinics that bill insurance, that take Medicare, that take commercial insurance, you know, those people are just so, you know, think about podcasts and books and summits and all these things. There are tens of millions of people in America who are yearning for this care but could never really afford to pay the doctor, you know, a couple thousand dollars to be under functional medicine care for a period of time. And so what starts to happen is, you know, we're we're just starting with the sort of like um, low-hanging fruit, right, where people are ready and excited about it. You know, I think eventually we'll have to do a whole – campaign to make being in a group sexy and aspirational. <laughs> I think that's going to be a big lift. And But ultimately, you know, in three years, we might have the marketing budget to do that because ultimately the kind of organizations that have the marketing budget to do those kind of things are organizations, you know, our companies. That's the way it's been forever. Like, why do you have a diamond ring? It's because De Beers convinced everyone in 1920 <laughs> that people should have a diamond ring. It's marketing. It's not culture. People confuse culture and marketing. This is marketing. And there's a million examples like that of things that we think, like even toilet paper, like, you know, can you even imagine that, like, you know, what happens, like, I have a seven-month-old, right? So if I get seven-month-old feces on my hands, what do I do? I wash my hands. What is toilet paper? Like, but it's so ingrained into our society by the Scott brothers in 1890 that we're all around, you know, wiping our butts when it's unsanitary and it's ridiculous. The reason I'm into this, my friend Mickey Agarwal started business Tushy where it's like a bidet attachment. And we've had this conversation before when she was starting the business is like, in what world does that make sense? But because the Scott brothers in 1890 convinced everyone that toilet paper is the thing, they've sold billions of rolls of toilet paper for a hundred years. But if we take a step back, we'd be like, Nah, man, that's nasty. And Europeans and Asians would tell you the same thing because they got the bidets. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so ultimately it just requires a change in culture. And I'm 100% committed that once we've, you know, we're working right now with doctors and and partnering with health systems to get people who are ready to change into the system. But in three years' time, I hope that we will have, like, proven the business enough that we can, you know, raise – you know, $100 million and go on a like a, a campaign to educate the masses that this is the way that healthcare should be done. And already we have the outcomes to prove that it's better. So in our groups, 75% of people who have depression see a significant improvement in depression. 75% of people who have a significant amount of fatigue, you know, improve their fatigue. Anxiety, it's like 60%. And pain is like 60%. I mean, pain. Who would have known, right? We think that, what do you need for pain? Well, you need drugs, opiates, or you need, you know, some sort of musculoskeletal realignment with like a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or, you know, physical therapy. Well, pain is biopsychosocial in nature. Lonelier people report higher pain scores. So you get people in a group, you start working on reducing whole body inflammation, people's pain, and they're now in a community of people where they feel heard and supported, people's pain goes down dramatically. So I'm really, really grateful to be able to like 
you know, follow this path now. For your for your people who are listening, I highly recommend your groups because you've been doing this now for 10 years and you probably know how they work and you've got an opportunity to do it. And hopefully, you know, Heal Community is coming to adopt a near you. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I love this quote you shared with me, to change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete from Buckminster Fuller. And I think that's what you're doing. You're essentially building a new model that makes the existing one obsolete. Thank you. Well, look, that quote really resonates. So I would say before 2013, I guess I saw of myself as like an activist. So I was like, we must get functional medicine covered by insurance and we must, you know, fight environmental regulations. You know, we must fight for environmental regulations and we must fight for, you know, all these things. And I was like, I was like that. That was my like MO as far as how I saw creating change in the world. And when I read that quote from Bucky Fuller, what I realized straight away is that conventional medicine has no idea how to deal with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Right. Conventional medicine was created. It's not their fault. It was just created in an era where acute illness was the thing. Right. Infections and, and you know, trauma, like car accidents or whatever. And so they built their whole system around those diseases. When new diseases pop up that don't look anything like those diseases and come from a completely different etiology, come from a completely different like set of circumstances, it's not surprising that they're just not really well set up for it. And friction keeps everything in place. It can't adapt to this new environment. Mm. And that was really my first book, The Evolution of Medicine. And so now, you know, what I've been thinking about, and that quote has been on the bottom of my email for like eight years, Mm. has been really about, you know, what is the real opportunity here? And I think everyone can intuit it, right? Which is that if you work out a way to keep the population healthy, they don't need as much of this like acute or chronic care. And what's interesting about COVID is that COVID made the chronic acute, right? So forever, you know, people would get type 2 diabetes or heart disease or be on the journey towards those things, pre-autoimmune, pre-heart disease, pre-type 2 diabetes, that functional medicine doctors could could sometimes like find out that you are on that path and help you come in a different direction, but mainly people didn't take action until it got really bad. Mm-hmm. Well, COVID, you know, pulled the trigger in one, most people now realizing that conventional medicine doesn't have the right answers to create immune resilience, right? To have people not be so susceptible to COVID, which is what people are like looking for now. But then secondarily, I think created a structure where now people are, you know, realizing that they really want to get ahead of their health and they want to get healthy. And that's been, you know, that's a sort of a a silver lining of obviously like a really tragic situation is that I think there's been an acceleration in the desires of the public to get healthy. And the next, you know, opportunity down the road will be for them to be in a group to achieve that health. And I really think we're on that path. I do. And I have to ask you two questions you touched on earlier before we wrap up, because I know everybody's wanting to hear this. Two of the questions that people ask is, why is functional medicine so expensive and why is this not the standard of care? So can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's expensive because in the, you know, what I call functional medicine 1.0, which is the what we've had so far, it's all been like very expensive providers, doctors, 
spending a lot of time. So, you know, amount of time multiplied by hourly rate equals a lot of money. And there's no really real way to fudge. So that's why I think it's expensive is just because it's slow and it's being done by like highly paid people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doctors, most doctors just feel a moral obligation to go out and practice this way. And they're not really business people and they didn't really work out how to do it. So that's the first thing. And why it's not the standard of care is because there is and actually, it's the same answer to both questions. It's systemic friction, right? There's so many people that benefit from it being the way that it is. Insurance company, pharmaceutical company, for-profit hospitals, non-profit hospitals. Like all of these people are just reveling in the status quo. And so changing the status quo takes time, effort. Look at Dean Ornish, right? Dean Ornish, it took him... 15 years to prove clinically that he could reverse heart disease by getting people into groups and having them do healthy behaviors. It took him another 15 years to get Medicare to pay for it. So that was like Dr. Ornish, you know, incredible leader. And it took him that long to do it. And he had the support of the Clintons and all those kind of things, right? So that's how long it takes to like change the system. And also you could argue that it hasn't really changed because the number of clinics that actually run the Ornish protocol today mm-hmm. is quite limited. Because again, there's friction in implementing the system. You have to retrain your doctors, physical location has to change. So I'm excited about what we're doing here now is that I feel like all the friction is gone. And now it's just a question of like, selling the vision and selling the dream. And that's why I'm grateful to come in and talk to your people here, because I would imagine that there's people that are listening to this that either A, realize they need to have a supportive community. And the first thing that we do in all of our groups is have people take uh, sort of a stock of who in my community is gonna be supportive of this transformation that I'm gonna go on. Mm -hmm. And if there's no one who is supportive, you need to find someone who will be, and that's why they can meet in one of your groups, right? But if you have no one in your community that's gonna be supportive of this transformation, you know, you need to find that because ultimately that's gonna really determine, you know, determine your trajectory. There are also probably people listening to this who are in healthcare and they're like, sign me up, I'm into it. You know, and for the first time now, we now have a system where we can partner with health systems, hospitals, insurance providers. You know, we can deliver this at a big population level, which, you know, functional medicine has never been able to do that because it's like, well, who are the doctors? How are they going to get trained? What's the facility? How are we going to rebuild it? Who's going to pay? How's it going to work? All of those moved out the way. Like we, you know, doctors focus on what they're good at and we do the lifestyle behavior coaching and it's not really functional medicine in a certain way. And and we've actually taken the functional medicine verbiage out of our, you know, marketing because it doesn't actually help doctors get on board or patients get on board, mm-hmm. but it is running in the background, right? It's, right? it's the operating system of care, but ultimately, you know, every mainstream doctor, conventional medicine doctor knows their patients are lonely, their patients aren't doing the healthy behaviors. And if they did do the healthy behaviors, they'd probably get better, but they just didn't have a plan. They didn't have an execution framework to make it happen. Right, I think this is such an important conversation, James. I thank you so much for sharing your vision, your journey, your path, really just incredible vision that you have for a healthcare system that works for everybody. And I I really do pray that you are making the existing model obsolete so that more and more people can have access to this. Well, thank you. And, you know, thank you. You know, it's definitely standing on the shoulders of giants. Like, I really feel like grateful to have taken the path that I have 
And, you know, I'm just super grateful to those doctors who, you know, started doing it before it was cool, before they really knew that it would work, <laughs> right? To just really just learn. And, and I learned so much from 16 years of just paying attention, having calls like this, meeting people, seeing what worked. And, and ultimately, I'm super hopeful that in this next decade, we will see the significant transformation that I think many people who are listening to this probably intuit is necessary for real transformation in healthcare. Yes, and I'm gonna invite everybody listening to just to digest what James has shared with you, the information about our current healthcare system and moving forward with groups and community and coaching and how we need to transform our healthcare system and ask yourself what you can do to help our society move towards that. You may not be the decision maker at your company for your HR resource department, but I'm sure that there are some ways that you can contribute to the evolution of medicine. Thank you so much for joining us today, James. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.